Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subchuck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subchuck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, part of the Believe Network. We're coming to you tonight after the New England Revolution opened the 2024 MLS season with a uh, less than impressive 3-1 to loss to D.C. United at the hands of a Christian Benteke hat-trick, uh, which was mostly set up courtesy of Giacomo Veroni's very early uh, red card. Um, I'm Thomas Benzone, joined by Sean Donahue tonight. I'm sure it'll be a, a, a riveting, positivity-filled podcast. <laughs> um, so, Sean, you know, how how are you feeling after all of your... Oh, oh by the way, old preseason prediction that the Revs would go undefeated is done. Just want to note that before we move on. So, Sean, how are, how are you feeling after all of your hopes and dreams for Dash tonight? Yeah, yeah, Curse Revs can go pull that one up and uh, post that. The, the bold prediction that they're going to go undefeated is officially dead on week one. Uh, but Tom, uh, it's your official debut as the official host of the show. So uh, I'm excited about that. It's it's good to bring you on board. It's nice to uh, not have hosting and editing duties tonight. It's in your book. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good that I can talk about this game and then go to bed and forget about it. And you can edit it. Yeah, and what a game! What a game to to take this role for the first time. I was, you know, I was really excited, been nervous all day. And Veroni gets sent off, and it's like, okay, so this is gonna be an avalanche of Veroni tweets. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, look before we before we get into to all the fun and exciting stuff. Hopefully, you uh, didn't you know put next month's rent on tonight's Revs game. But um, if you are looking for somewhere to place your bets, Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. Uh, with up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today, become part of the team, and remember to use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. The game starts here. The game started tonight, and then very quickly was brought to an abrupt end when Giacomo Veroni decided to get himself sent off with two incredibly stupid yellow cards in a short space of time. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll touch on that at some point. Uh, Sean, what is your uh, 
What is your take? Uh, sorry, sorry. Before we get going here, the, the key takeaways are brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group. Uh, be sure to check them out on Twitter at Ne Rebellion and their website nerebellion.org. Um, I would love to hear some of their thoughts on tonight's game. Uh, but Sean, what's your what's your takeaway from this this incredible opening to the 2024 MLS season? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and have like a takeaway and a half here because I think there's the obvious takeaway that I that I have to mention is you know, that Frioni let the team down tonight. I think there's there's no two ways about it, and you can't avoid that topic. Um, you know, you mentioned the two very dumb yellow cards. The first one was for delaying a restart that really wasn't necessary, and that's what happens when you get a yellow card. You know, very early like that, you you, you have to be on your best behavior the rest of the game. Uh, and he wasn't. He he committed to a, a reckless slide tackle. Didn't get the ball. Uh, you know, people want to complain about the replacement refs you can't on these two calls they were both blatant yellow cards they were as clear as day yellow cards he deserved that red card got himself sent off and i know tom um we talked a few weeks ago about you know rioni and how he doesn't necessarily have to be a 20 goal scorer or 15 goal scorer to help the revs uh but he does have to keep himself on the field if he's going to help the revs if he's getting red cards like that uh he's not helping anybody and to add to the fact that the revs were on short rest in this game uh and have a you know short rest going into the next game um, it was really important that they kept 11 men on the field and weren't chasing the game for 65 minutes, tiring out guys that were already tired and putting them in a bad position going into next week. So it was really the most, the, the biggest disaster that could happen to the revolution, getting an early red card, given the situation they're in with the congested schedule at the beginning of the season. So uh, getting that out of the way, I think Brioni, uh, the key takeaway, number one key takeaway is that Brioni really let the team down today. And, um, you know, there are already questions about whether he was the right number nine for the revs. Those are not going away after tonight. This is not the start to the season. Uh, that he wanted to have. And now, of course, he's going to be suspended for the next MLS game. So um, for those looking for him to turn things around, uh, they're going to have to be waiting a while. <laughs> but that's number one. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Tom, before before I have my positive takeaway. Uh, you, have a, wow, you have a positive takeaway. Uh, no, I look, the, I'm sure we'll get to the replacement refs as well. Um, but the, the first yellow card, standing in front of the ball deliberately, that that is written very clearly in the rules of the game. If you do that, it's a yellow card. Uh, and the second yellow for the the you know the wild two footed slide tackle that you know from behind, nowhere near the ball. Uh, I I don't know any referee at any level that wouldn't pull out a yellow card there. So you you know you can say you want about uh, the referees or or you know uh, the the usage of VAR, the not usage of VAR, or, or you know anything else. But I mean. That there's no referee in the world that wasn't going to send Veroni out for those two things, and and he really, he really should know. He should know better than that, to be honest. Uh, and 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 like you said, like there's been been so much talk about Veroni and and is he going to score? Is he going to do this? You know, the one thing that didn't come up was is he going to be able to keep himself on the field, right? So he's he's now added a, a new layer for us to discuss and spend even more time talking about one player and that okay now we don't even know if he can keep himself on the field so just you know i, I don't think he really helps himself uh with, with the situation that he's that he's in uh, but you you said you have a positive takeaway so yeah i you know i, I wasn't going to have anything positive <laughs> at, at halftime i had nothing positive to say uh because they started the game poorly even before the red card they got the red card things got even worse but the second half they actually showed a little bit of life on the counterattack, and in particular esmir i thought uh, had a really good second half. I thought he had you know decent first half, but a really good second half. Um, you know, at one point he was leading the game in dribbles, successful dribbles three. He was leading the game and and foul suffered with five. I I, I should pull up where he ended the game, um, but I, I thought he was a really big positive bright spot. You know, people were questioning why he didn't start 
last week um, and why Nacho started instead. Uh, well, he came into this game with fresh legs, and I thought he looked really, really good. Um, and one of the few guys that can leave this game, I think, with with a lot of credit um, for a guy that didn't see a lot of starts last year to come in and start opening weekend. Uh, he had a 7.85 rating from Footmob, but I think he earned it. Uh, I think he was, you know, arguably the Reds' best player on the pitch, maybe other than Carlos Heel, thanks to his in- incredible Glazo. Um, he actually finished the game with seven. He was fouled seven times. So the only way DC was able to stop him was fouling him, but, which does bring up something we, you know, we've mentioned before. He's a smaller guy. Is he going to be able to handle that much uh, physicality throughout the season? Because we saw a lot of it tonight. Um, but you know, tonight certainly he played really, really well. He handled the fouls well. Um, he got himself into dangerous positions, and I, I think you know DC's way of stopping it was fouling him. And we're probably going to see a lot more of that as the season goes on. So his durability is going to be tested, but you know, early returns, very, very good from, from Edgemere, uh, in a game where there weren't too many positives. Yeah. I, 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 I thought Edgemere played really well. Um, and, and, and like you said, you know, I, I thought one thing last year, you know, I, I thought sometimes he went down a little too easy. Um, but I think he's, I think he's made that adaptation so far this year where he has looked to stay on his feet. Um, and, and maybe he's going to start to find, and you know, he's still going to pick up plenty of fouls. Uh, there's still going to be plenty of uh, defenders across MLS and, and CONCACAF that are going to be more than happy to, you know, kick an 18 year old to the ground when he shows them up. And, uh, yeah, he definitely was a real bright spot tonight. I mean, there really wasn't, uh, too, too many of those. Uh, but that looked like a, a, a pretty smart rotation from, from Porter to go with Nacho, uh, you know, in the CONCACAF cup, uh, and then change him out for, uh, for Esmir. And that's the thing too, you know, early on before the red card, um, you know, the, the Rebs really, really uh, were, were struggling in a number of different positions. You know, even Jones had a couple of, you know, a couple of questionable, questionable moments on the ball early on. And, and that's not something you say about Jones. Jones, I think is, is one of the most, you know, reliably consistent above average players that the Rebs have had. So to even see him, you know, make a couple straight passes, give the ball away a couple times. Uh, that just says to me, you know, they, they probably could have used a little bit more rotation uh, than they have. Porter Porter made a, a comment uh, that, that data analytics tell you that if you rotate more than four or five players, you you lose, which, you know, okay, fine, fair enough. That's great that he's using data, uh, but I wonder what the data would say if you have three or four players that clearly look like they haven't recovered from the last game and are now playing in another one you know, uh, how the results in those games tend to go. You know, it's 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 one thing to use data and use analytics uh, to help you make decisions, but you you need the, the humans need to make those types of decisions. And you can't let you can't let the analytics and the data tell you what to do. They're just supposed to inform your decision making. Um so I think a little bit more rotation might have been uh might might have been beneficial uh to them. Um, but my look, my key takeaway is uh, you know trying to look at this not just from a Revs fan perspective. Uh, overall, that was it was pretty bad. I mean, the Revs didn't play great. DC United, <laughs> DC United was kind of a comedy of errors themselves. You know, they had uh, they had thirty total shots, and five of them were on target. Thirty shots, five on target. Their their xG was four point five five, and you know. They only had three. I mean, they, they really should have scored four, five, six goals. I mean, their finishing in front of goal was was atrocious. The Revs, uh, you know, even before the red card, the Revs looked like they had all just met each other in the parking lot before the game started. Uh, the referees were, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that they were necessarily drastically worse than refereeing uh, that we've seen before, but, you know, not great. Uh, and then I, 
I was amazed that MLS, because MLS has to be different in so many different ways from the rest of the world. Uh, MLS doesn't have goal line technology. Like goal line technology is not new. It's been around for, I, I think it's been around for like 10 years now. And MLS somehow doesn't have goal line technology. So if we're going to have these replacement refs, uh, or even when we get the regular refs back at some point, now the fact that these guys can't just look down at their watch, like referees and all the other top leagues around the world go, oh, my, my watch is red. That means goal. Uh, it's, it's really kind of ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, that was my takeaway. Uh, not a great advertisement for for Major League Soccer if you're if you're kind of on the fence as to whether this is something you want to kind of jump in on uh, for the rest of the season. I, I'm completely with you on goal line technology. I don't know why that is not is not implemented in MLS because it seems even more obvious in general use of VAR. Something the first thing that that should be there. Um, and I, I always not to go off on a tangent or a rant, but I always go back to that Wilde Harris goal years ago where he scored the what would have been probably the greatest goal in Revolution history, an amazing bicycle kick that rattled off the crossbar, went three feet over the line, bounced back out, and the ref said, you know, let play, let play continue on. Um, and, you know, everyone forgets about that goal now. It was probably the best goal the Rebels have ever scored. <laughs> so that's always my example. And, and goal line technology solves that. And we saw that today. Why why does it take this long to, to figure out if the goal went over the, ball, over the line? <laughs> but, yeah, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's not even questioned in it's not even questioned in the in the Premier League or, or the top leagues in Europe anymore. It, it they all just look to the ref and he looks at his watch and if it if, if the watch goes red then it's a goal, piece of cake, right? It takes two seconds. But, um, but to your other point, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great game in part because DC in the final third, despite the fact they scored three goals, was terrible. <laughs> it was it, it's and some of the goals that they did score were kind of a comedy of errors where they got lucky and a lucky deflection and. Uh, they they just they should have scored so many more goals than they did. And you know, going into towards the very end of the game, there were points where, despite the fact that they had thirty shots and the Revs had you know relatively few comparatively, and there was a ten shots, the Revs actually had a higher expected goals on target uh, number. Um, they didn't finish with one, but going into the 90th minute, they did have a higher one where the Revs were 2.21 expected goals on target, and DC had less than that. DC finished with 3.18. Um, but just the fact that the Revolution. You know, we're leading in that category. DC had 4.55 expected goals, but their shooting was so bad, they only finished with 3.18 expected goals on target. Uh, that, that's, I mean, again, it's the first game of the season. I think you get a little bit of slack for sharpness in the final third, but uh, you're right. It wasn't the prettiest game of soccer, at least not as, as far as efficiency goes in the final third for DC. <laughs> no, I, 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 I know Rev Sins don't really care about DC United's, you know, goal scoring capabilities, but again, just not to... Not not a great game. I you know I, I watched some of the the Columbus Crew game earlier today, and I think that was a a, a much better advertisement for the uh, the soccer fan that isn't totally sold on on MLS as a league. Um, but anyway, so um, I I would imagine that we have a, a couple of tweets to to have a look at. So our going to jump into our our listener mailbag or or truly be a tweet bag but anyway uh jump into our listener mailbag which is brought to you today by subcheck law uh you can find subcheck law's website in our show notes uh you'll also be able to find some links to the any rebellion uh in the show notes as well so we'll make our way over to twitter it's my first time on twitter in uh Probably like six or seven months. Uh, yeah, I hope. I hope everyone appreciates the sacrifice you're making for this show by logging back onto Twitter for the first time in a long time and putting yourself through that just so you can get these listener questions. Because we all know how terrible Twitter is, and you have managed to keep yourself off it till now. So, yeah, I hope everyone I, listening appreciates that sacrifice. <laughs> yes, 
I, I signed in, I saw, you know, just, just kind of skimming through tweets and it's just like, God, it's just like, why? There's got to be a better use of your time. Um, but I guess not. All right. Let's see. Um, all right. First one here from the Blazing Musket. It's really, thanks, guys. Really appreciate you getting us started off here. Uh, who would you rather have on the New England Rams, Giacomo Veroni or Kareem Adeyemi? Which I'm sure I pronounced wrong. John, can you tell for those of us, including me, who don't know, uh, who is Kareem Adeyemi? He is a young striker on Borussia Dortmund, 22-year-old that ha- is very promising, but has not scored that many goals for for Dortmund since he's been there. <laughs> oh, and now is he a logical, uh, you know, is he a, a practical target for the Revs to pursue? There are 22-year-old up-and-coming players that play for Borussia Dortmund, the type of player that we can look forward to gracing our gracing us with their presence at Gillette Stadium. I don't know if I'm I'm like missing something. I feel like I'm missing a reference here or something, but it doesn't. Oh, I definitely missed a reference. Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah I mean I guess oh I guess well so I, I actually I take it back I know what the reference is now. Um, he was tied with Adiyemi in the Austrian Bundesliga that year that that Rioni was loaned there. Uh, they were tied as the top scorer in the Austrian Bundesliga, so that's the reference. Is <laughs> Adiyemi at one point was playing in the same league as Rioni and they had the same amount of goals. Um, I don't know. Careers have obviously had different trajectories since then, uh, but yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I think the uh, I think the realism of the Revs Adiemi is is uh, not there. But if that was an option, I think yeah, that you would definitely take Adiemi or Vier. Yeah, sure. You know, get Gio Reno while we're at it as well. You know, I mean, we've got Ian Harks, son of John, so why not get you know why not get Claudio's kid in while we're at it. Uh, Mike Kennedy asks, what do you think of Porterball? And I guess we're calling it that already versus Bruce's style of play. Um, I, I don't really see that much of a difference. I haven't seen the Porterball vision, uh, really display itself on the field yet, you know, and not to compare Well, actually I am going to intentionally, uh, you know, you look at the Columbus crew team that he left in 2022, and Will Fernancy came in, and you know, there's a bit of a difference there. Uh, Will Fernancy has Columbus Crew playing, I, I think, the, the best soccer that I've ever seen in MLS. Uh, even tonight, you know, DC United, you could already see some some early effects of of their coach and their pressing game uh, from from Lasane, who's come over from uh, from Red Bulls, and he actually wasn't even on the touchline. Um, so, I, I I don't know. I don't know that I could define what exactly Porterball is. And, uh, you know, portable certainly doesn't include getting your center forward sent off after 25 minutes either. So if that's a if that's a tactical wrinkle that he's brought in, you know, hopefully we don't see that one too, too much often. Yeah, I think this is it's too early for me to answer this question, in part because they played one game in the CONCACAF Champions Cup against a much weaker opposition. And it was a professional performance. They got the job done. They did what they needed to do. They got a win on the road. Great. And then they had this game where they started poorly. I don't think that was I don't think the way they were playing was the way Porter wanted them to play to start this game. I hope not because they weren't playing very well. Um, You know, and it's, it's not it's not shocking that you go into, a you know, on short rest, you go into an away game to start the season. DC's all fired up. It's the first game of the season. It's not shocking that they started this game poorly, but they never really had a chance to get into it because of Rioni's red card. So, you know, I, I kind of give a pass on this question for now because I, I just haven't seen enough to to give a good answer. I, I wish I could. I was hoping I'd see more in this game, but there's not enough for me to judge it on yet, I would say. Yeah, this is like I was saying the other night uh, when – the Independiente probably should have had a player sent off for a second yellow. Be- no, look, nobody got hurt on that play, and I was actually kind of like, okay, this is this game's going to stay 11-11. Uh, 
because I really don't want to sit here and watch 11 against 10 against Independiente. Uh, 11 against 10 games are, uh, yeah, you can't get a lot out of it. And it's not, it's not great to watch. It's just not, it's just not great. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you can't draw any conclusions from this game. Maybe after the first 20, 25 minutes, they would have, they would have uh, settled in and grown into the game and started to connect some passes. Uh, you know, the only thing I saw early on was, you know, they're under a ton of pressure. Ravis gets the ball in his hands, smashes it down the field to Veroni, who was, you know, 2v1, 3v1. That doesn't make a lot of sense. They won the ball back. Okay, great. Now we get to defend again. Polster wins the ball back deep in his own half, plays a pass to, to no one. Uh, okay, great. They lose the ball. Now we get to defend again. Uh, Buck, who apparently loves to emulate everything Polster does, he also gets the ball, also smashes it to no one. They lose the ball. It's like this This can't be the plan. Uh, and the chance that they created before the, which somebody mentioned here, before the red card, you know, the the ball over to John Kali that they, you know, that, that was a good counterattacking move. That was from nothing more than Esmir wins the ball, gets it under control, picks his head up, and sees what sees what his options are. You know that you're told to do that at like six and seven years old, right? Get on the ball, get your head up. He does that, and you know they connect two, three passes, and they get a high quality chance on goal. So maybe we would have seen more of that uh, later on in the game, uh, but we certainly didn't see it early on. Again, you know, uh, uh, Ravas Lima. I mean. I Lima couldn't find anybody, uh, you know, you know, just smashing the ball to nobody. I really can't imagine that that was what Porter was telling these guys before they went out there. But I will say that the, the first 15 minutes were terrible. The next 10 minutes after that were a little bit better. And that's when we saw that chocolate chance. And then there was the red card. And if you look at, you know, Footmob has a momentum chart and you can see too that just before the red card happened, the revs actually started to have a little bit more of the momentum. <laughs> and then that immediately went out the window. So we don't know how this game would have evolved if Rioni, you know, didn't get a stupid red card. So so again, it's it's hard for me to take too much from this. I, I will again say that, I, I, you know, they showed some fight in the second half that I didn't think they were going to show. And I think that's, if you're looking for positives to draw, I think there's a little bit of positive there is they actually showed a little bit of fight in the second half. They didn't curl up and quit, which would have been kind of understandable given the situation they were in. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just a very hard match to take anything from. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, they did look, Car- Carlos is, and apparently I've been saying Carlos, not Carlos. Uh, Carlos's goal, uh, goal was, you know, it was, it was fantastic. You know, he, he picks the ball up on the right side of the field, you know, close control dribble, cuts in, uh, and, and you know, brilliant finish with his left foot, you know, look, looked a little bit like what somebody else down in uh, down in Miami does on a, a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, you know, good to see a fight back there. Good to see that they, you know, they still try to apply some pressure up the field. They threw some numbers forward, uh, you know, but, you know, in the end, obviously, just you can only do that for so long. You're eleven against ten. I, I just quickly, I, 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 people that like the expected goal stats, I think it's incredible that the expected goals on Carlos Hill's shot was point zero two. So that tells you how good of a shot that was. That's not a spot that you score from very often, uh, given that. And his it was point zero two, and his expected goals on target, which takes into effect the uh, quality of the actual shot was 0.77. So you get the sense there from a 0.02 expected goals to a 0.77 expected goals based on the shot of how fantastic of a shot that was from Carlesio. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it was, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I and, mean, you know, that's just the type of stuff that he's, uh, that he's capable of and, you know, looks like he's going to need to be capable of it for a little bit longer. Uh, all right. Uh, 
Christopher Belukas, I'm, I'm guessing anyway, uh, that save on Chanka early doors would have been a completely different game if he went far post. I mean, yeah, sure. Um, if he scored, it would have been advantageous to the Revs. Um, I look, I don't really criticize players for, you know, oh, he should have done this, he should have done that. I mean, look, in the moment, it's actually extremely difficult to score a goal in that type of situation. I'm sure if it was in training, he buries that 10 times out of 10. I'm sure I could pull that off 10 times out of 10 uh, on FIFA. But, you know, look, you're talking about a player in a high-pressure environment, and, yeah, there's always, oh, if he just did this, if he just did that. But, it, you know, it's actually really quite difficult to do those types of things. Uh, and then there's a reference to, can we get Austin Kusher to butterfly his to butterfly affect his decision to go with the keeper's foot. Uh, I don't get the reference. I'm not an Austin Kusher fan in any way at all. Uh, Sean, do you get that reference or have anything to add about Chonkalai not being able to score with the single solitary chance that he had in the first 20 minutes of the game? I, I do sort of get the reference to a movie that I have not watched, but there's the Ashley Kusher movie, Butterfly Effect. And I do know what the butterfly effect is. Uh, but with, with that said, it's hard to, to say exactly what would have happened if he had scored that chance. Would Vrioni have gotten a second yellow card and been stupid? Um, would he have you know decided not to lunge into a, to a dumb challenge because they were winning? I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if he had scored that, maybe everything would have would have changed. The Revs would have gotten some momentum, and you know, DC playing from behind would have had to play differently. I, I, but you know, DC was still on top even before that red card happened, for the most part. Um, and you know, you could also say what what would have happened if DC had taken their eight million chances that they didn't finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ifs, um, mostly bad for from a Revolution perspective. Yeah. Uh, John Trainer asks, what did you guys make of Ravis's performance? Sean, what did you, uh, someone else alluded to, uh, panic time with Ravis or, or I, I, I'm sure we'll get to that one, but what, what did you think of Ravis's performance? And, and do you think that, uh, you know, it's time to hit the panic button if, if such a thing existed? Well, if, if you listen to the prediction show a few weeks ago, you know, I, I wasn't, I'm not completely sold on Ravis yet. There were some preseason highlights of him that looked less than stellar. Um, and, you know, he he made what would have been a fantastic save on that first goal <laughs> if it if it hadn't crossed the line. That would have been an amazing save. But then on the, the second two goals, I think, you know, you, you think he could have done a bit better. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it was a great performance from Ramos. I think there's still, I still have those question marks there. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, wait. But the second goal? The second, where the one where Ben Teke was completely and totally unmarked. The guy is lethal with his head that can't be robbins's fault I, I, you know it, it it's more the third oh sean <laughs> but in, in in general i mean i wasn't i wasn't all that impressed with his performance in this game i haven't been all that impressed with the highlights that i've seen from him uh from preseason so i'm still on the i need to see more from this guy before i i come to a final conclusion on on, on whether he's going to be good enough for the reps it's still very early days no, it is. It is, and I, I think Benteke was offside for the, the one that he poked the ball in with his right foot. I actually thought it looked like his his right foot was offside. Um, but again, uh, they didn't you know, they didn't well, show us enough replays on that one. That was also annoying. Like you, there were you saw the first shot and it looked like he could have been offsides, and then they never showed like didn't really focus on that enough at all to actually give you you know an indication of if you what could have been offside because we didn't get a good angle. Yeah, and they don't do the. Um, 
Do they, do they not draw the lines that they do in the Premier League? Like in the Premier League, they literally draw like right. defender, attacker, offside. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen them do that for MLS, which is another technology that'd be nice to have. <laughs> yeah, maybe they need to upgrade their VAR package to get one that can determine whether someone is or is not offside. I, I thought he was offside. I mean, look, the camera angle, like you said, the camera angle was was not great. Um, how hard it could possibly be to just like have some sort of drone operating over the field with a top down, like anyway. Um, yeah, Ramos, uh, the thing, the thing for me, I thought his distribution was, uh, poor. Uh, like I said, he got the ball in his hands when the revs were under pressure. I mean, they couldn't, you know, get to give him a chance to breathe there. Uh, and he smashes the ball down to Veroni in, in you know, he's two, v one against the other team center backs, you know, really little to no chance to win that ball. Yeah. You know, I thought his distribution was, was, was not great. Um, so I don't know. I, I still kind of hope that he ends up being. Somewhere between Petrovic and uh, uh, Turner in terms of his shot stopping ability, and it would be hard for your distribution to be worse than than Turner, uh, but I don't think it's going to be as good as Petrovic. So just somewhere between those two, uh, if he settles into that range, I think I think they'll be fine. I, I mean, I I think his shot stopping ability, I would be is, if it was anywhere near either of those two, would be great for the Revs. Um, but I yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine that will be up there. Uh, but yeah, you hope you hope the distribution is <laughs> makes up for maybe some of the the shot stopping ability not being there. Yeah, but you know, it is, it is just goal kicks. They were going long on goal kicks straight away. It's like we're not even we're not even going to attempt to to play out of the back. We're just going to abandon that immediately. Like I don't know. But anyway, that's that's just me. People, you know, people like to people like to wait for a team that plays out of the back to make one mistake so they can they can latch onto it and lose their minds but anyway MLS Aces podcast short game week and only 10 men is this result that concerning for you guys yeah you know what? i think there's two ways to look at this long term is it that concerning no because i like i don't think you take much away from it short term it is a little bit concerning because, again, they have this game Thursday. You know, Carles Heel now played 90 minutes. So uh, to kind of backtrack on something I said earlier, it was nice to see them have that fight in the second half and, and you know, not curl up and die and actually score that equalizing goal. But at the same time, you almost wish they had gone down 2 nothing or 3 nothing because then if you're Caleb Porter, you're, you're taking Carles Heel out of that game. You're taking the, your key players that, you know, played a lot of minutes last week out of that game so they don't get hurt and so that they're prepared to go midweek or next weekend instead of having these guys that were already tired, you know, go 90 minutes in a very tough game. So that's my concern. Where my concern comes from is, is now you have this game Thursday, you know, the team from Panama Independiente revs should be able to beat them without much problem. But I, I wonder how much Porter rotates for that game now. Um, because I do think you could rotate too much to the point where you're, you know, overconfident and could lose that game. There's, I think there's a lineup you could put out there that would lose Independiente um, if you did too much. I don't think Porter's going to do that, but I think now is kind of a balancing act of, you know, these guys got ran into the ground this game. Um, you know, was Dave Romney going to play three games in a row? Was that originally the plan? I don't know. Is that still the plan after how this game went? I, that's that's where I think it becomes a bit more difficult. Long term, I don't have any concerns about this result. I don't think this result tells you anything about the revs. It's more about you were in a tough situation with a tough schedule, and now you made it that much harder by making these guys play down a man for sixty five minutes. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. I mean, long term, no. I mean, this we, we talked about this last week. You know, the, the the fixture, you know, the the congestion of games in the early part of the season. Uh, you know, 
a slow start in MLS is not going to, there's 34 games and then like, I think pretty much, you know, all of us have agreed on it. Like, it's just get yourself into the playoffs and uh, so now one game, you know, one game on the road where, you, you know, you drop points. No, but uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it creates a, 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 you know, a bit of a tricky situation. Like you said, on Thursday, you know, they're, they're one, nothing up after the first leg. You need to take care of business uh, on Thursday. It would be, it would be, you know, it would be embarrassing to to not advance, um, and at least get to the the next round. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. It's a little tricky, but I would say this: look, you know, the game isn't until Thursday, so they've got uh, it's, it's four days between games. That's that's a, a reasonable amount of time. Uh, and you know, look, I think the best case scenario is they're able to put out a a strong lineup, you know, kill the game off in, in, uh, 60 minutes or so. And, and then he can, you know, you can make five changes and, you know, start to look forward to, uh, to the home opener, which, you know, hopefully goes better than the, the season opener. Uh, let's see, Trey or talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with Trey. Uh, should Veroni start every game to get Hill angry? I have no thought on that. Do you have any? What is? I don't. Carlos. I, I think Carlos Hill does a perfectly good job of finding something to be upset about on his own. Based on the number of yellow cards he got last year, it doesn't doesn't he doesn't necessarily need Rioni to get angry. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but on, on but on the, on the completely separate note, um, I was a little bit worried he was going to get a second yellow card at the end of this game when he had that early yellow card, and then uh, when you know Nacho and him were kind of getting into it with players, and that was a, a little bit concerning because. That you talk about short-term problems. If Carlos Hill gets a red card, uh, that becomes a big problem, especially going into you know the home game against Toronto, um, where you know again it's not a huge deal. We talked about it. You can't take too much away from this game. Losing your your, your opener on the road is, isn't that big of a deal. But then you go back to your home opener, and dropping points at home is not something you want to do early in the season, and then have to make up for it later. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's to take that in a weird direction. <laughs> I don't think Carlos Hill needs anything to to get angry. Um, we've seen him do that a lot, but um, I was concerned that at the end of this game he could have gotten a second yellow. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean he didn't he didn't swear live on air, so at least he didn't you know, or maybe, uh, maybe he did after the game. Um, all right, DC, we need to blame Kurt and Brian, Jesus, for not bringing in a forward. They gave us a a can good with no can opener. Okay, we are screwed without a nine, which for those of you that don't know is a, a numerical way to say center forward. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. We can blame Kurt and Brian for only having two strikers on the team and not three and not knowing that Veroni was going to get himself sent off inside. I mean, did, I'm sorry, but like where were the predictions that Veroni was going to get himself sent off inside of 25 minutes in the, the off season, which people were screaming out that we needed another option at striker. Was any, was any references to needing a third option at striker based off of the fact that Veroni was getting himself sent off inside of 25 minutes? No, but I do agree with the point that the Rebs do need another striker. <laughs> I think I think we haven't seen enough from Vioni to be comfortable there. And we, we know that the Rebs have a strong midfield. They're capable of creating a lot of chances. And they need a better number nine than what we've seen from Vioni. Is there still a chance he could come good? Uh, yes, but every single day I'm less and less optimistic that that's ever going to happen. Uh, and this game did nothing to help that. So um, I thought in the offseason they should have got another striker. 
And it is disappointing that they didn't find a way to do that when, when Gustavo Bo was gone. Obviously, they couldn't get another GP striker, um, but they do seem to have a lot of allocation money or MLS crypto, as, as you as Tom coined, which I, I like a lot. Um, so you, you would have thought there was a way for them to add a striker there. And, you know, there's lots of rumors about them going after other players, but it seems like they're looking still at more wingers than strikers, which is, is interesting. I know there's, I think we'll get to that later, but there's a, a player that's been mentioned recently, and I think... Um, Every name we're hearing is more of a winger than a striker. <laughs> yeah, we will definitely get to that, and that is a bit of a strange one. Um, yeah, look, I mean, Roy didn't do himself any favors, right? Like he, there's no, there's no. I, I'm very careful to be overly harsh on on players because um, it's it's easy to just sit here and and just badmouth them and say they're trash and whatever. Um, but you know, just just two moments of of stupidity there's there's no other way to, and i'm sure he would say the same thing and i'm sure he's going to be told the same thing by porter like hey look like i'm i'm backing you right i'm giving you these opportunities i've come out publicly and backed you you know kurt has come out and backed you and then you go out and you do this like you're not helping you you're not helping us you're not helping the team you know like i don't know i i hope that so I hope that Porter addresses this very sternly and, and makes it very clear to him uh, that, you know, th- this type of stuff, you know, look, missing chances is one thing. Getting yourself sent off uh, because you, you, you're you trying to wind the other team up by standing in front of the ball and like this, this nonsense, like there's just, there's no space for this type of nonsense and you're not going to help yourself. So if anything, you know, the, the, the only positive that can come from this is Porter makes it very clear to him. You know, if this is the type of player that you're going to be and you're going to do this type of stuff, you know, you're not going to last year and uh, no one's going to want you. Yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> All right. Revolution Central. I thought we were Revolution Central. Anyway, uh, which players brought the fight and which players caught the fight? I, what, I, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of these are just going to be, I, I don't know. I don't understand. Which players brought the fight? Like, what is that? What is it? Which players caused the fight was the other one? No, caught. I don't know if that's well, misspelled. So it, it says which players no. brought the fight and which players caught the fight. Is that like. Wasn't there, wasn't there, was the Revs like playoff logo last year was bring the fight, right? Wasn't that their like slogan? Oh, that's been their slogan. Oh, that's on the plastic. That's on the plastic yeah. cup that the, the season ticket members got. I got two of those upstairs. Yeah, bring the fight. Um, I mean, it depends on what type of fight we're talking about here. I think Esmir brought the fight in the field. <laughs> yeah, giving people credit. Uh, the right kind of fight. Uh, Rioni brought Slug. the wrong kind of fight. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and and Carlos and and Polster Carlos brought a fight. they brought a very strong verbal fight to the referees, which. Uh, by the way, you don't win those fights. You either get a draw or you lose. Like you, I look. I I love Carlos. It just like look like you can scream at this guy and you can you can you can shout at him and you can do the the Italian hands thing all you want. Like I don't know. I, yeah. So sorry, Revolution Central. I we don't really understand what you're asking. Uh, well, just, maybe, just you mentioned Carlos again. Just just remember last year he got suspended for yellow card accumulation because he got so many stupid yellows for arguing with the ref. Um, this this time his yellow was for a, a foul, um, not for arguing with the ref. Uh, he could have gotten another yellow for arguing with the ref, which is what I was concerned about. Um, but yeah, when, when you talk about 
the passion and the anger from from Carlos Hill, you you don't want him missing games because he's suspended because he's got too many yellow cards from arguing with the ref. Yeah, I I appreciate his passion, um, but yeah, he, he's got to be he's got to be careful. It's a long season. Uh, you start picking up yellows now, and yeah, yeah, he's got to be he, he's got to be careful there. Um, Blue Jay six. Was the new keeper as bad as it seemed? Well, first of all, you call him an it, so that's that's disrespectful. Um, we kind of carry we cover. Sold. Um, I'm. I, I guess I'm not really sold either. Um, yeah. Uh, but he continues here. Sorry, they continue. Uh, was going for it in Panama the right thing to do? Do they go for it at home this week? It's only one game, but does this team look any different than last year's team that? collapsed all right so there's a lot to uh unpack there was going for it in panama the right thing to do well what would the alternative be you have to go to panama it's a long flight so what would be the purpose in going all the way down there not trying to come out with a result sean do you do you have any thoughts on should the revs have not gone for it on a 2300 mile trip down to panama I think they did the right thing. It was the first game, first competitive game of the season. Um, you know, I, I understand that they had this MLS game coming up, but to me, you, you got to go for it. First competitive game of the season. Everyone's resting for that game. They're you know, building fitness. It's a good opportunity to, to, to do it. And the Rams have embarrassed themselves in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, CONCACAF Champions League in the past when they've been in it. It's a it's the continental competition for this team. It, it's actually, it's a real competition. I like the league's cup, it actually counts for something. You can qualify for the club world cup. You know, if you get a few rounds, you're playing some really good teams from Mexico, or you can really show what the team is actually made of. Um, but you actually have to get there to get those matches. And that in- includes being independent day. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think going for it was absolutely the right thing to do. And, you know, we probably wouldn't be asking this question if we only hadn't been a dumb red card 25 minutes into this game. Yeah, it's always convenient to go back in time. Like, well, we lost this game on Saturday, so why don't we go back? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to why don't we go back to the previous game and question everything that happened there? Um, yeah, it's only one game, but does this team look any different from last year's? And we kind of talked about that. Yeah, we haven't really the Porter Ball. Well, we can't say revolution because it sounds silly and contrived. Uh, no, the Porter Ball evolution has has not fully revealed itself uh, to the world. Yeah, you know, Matt, Matt Bolster's still trying to get over the fact that his coach plans training, so you got to give it some time. Uh, Matt Clayman, tough game, not how you wanted to start the year. Obviously hard to judge the team off one game, playing with 10 men, but Peroni just can't get a red card there. Yeah, we, yeah I feel like we've covered that. Uh, put team in an awful spot, yes, uh, and he needs to have a good year. That would be ideal. Uh, for how much faith front office and coaching staff have in him. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've kind of covered all of that, but I think Matt sums it up quite well here. Uh, it was not ideal. 
not good for this type of thing to continue. And the team does need Veroni to do well because the front office is backing him to do so. Matt, Matt summed it up perfectly. <laughs> no, All right. no, uh, no notes. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having a reasonable and balanced opinion of tonight's New England Revolution game. D- I can't even. Uh, W-W-A-W-A-L walk walk. Walla, walla walk walk. Whatever. You know who you are. Uh, I, I've struggled with that one several times already. So, oh, this is a, this is a <laughs> return. Okay. Yeah. Apologies to walla 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 walk 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 walk. Uh, ref was obviously not up to the standards that referees had last year. Just want to pause here to note that, of course. MLS referees have an untouchable rep- reputation as being the, the finest and highest quality referees in, in all the world. But anyway, uh, their calls on fouls are so soft, and I feel like DC missed like five more yellow cards based on their foul volume. Uh, the only thing I want to say here is that's not how it works. Uh, you can't simply divide the number of fouls by some number that you've come up with in your head and then say, you know, uh, 25 divided by five thus means there must be five yells. And not all fouls are created uh, equally. So, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't really agree. Um, it's not that simple. And the refs were not great. But I don't remember hearing how great MLS referees were in the past. It just seems kind of like an easy scapegoat because we know that they're all replacements. But Sean, what did you think about the ratio to fouls to yellow cards? Only for DC, of course, because <laughs> all of the, you know, the revs is to, obviously all the fouls that were not called against them were totally legitimate. No, I, I think the point you made is the same point I was going to make is that the, the standard of refereeing in MLS generally is not, not always the best. And we get complaints about it all the time. And if I take this game in a vacuum and ignore the replacement refs, do I think this game was so out of the realm of what we've seen uh, last year for games that, you know, it was just a, such a different standard. I don't actually, I don't think this game was that poorly refereed. Uh, there is one point I will make is that there were a couple times in this game where it looked like the referee was starting to lose control of it. Um, and mm-hmm. that I think is where a more experienced ref would have helped. We saw that at the very end of the game when when the heel brothers both were you know shoving DC guys trying to get the ball and got into a scuffle there. And then there was an earlier time on a corner kick, I believe. Um, I think it was the one where actually where where the ball where Jones made a fantastic um, defensive save to get the ball away from one of the DC players that was going to be one on one with the goalkeeper and should have scored. Um, and then I, and then Jones got kind of hacked by that guy because he missed he was going to trying to shoot and missed the ball and instead like stopped on Jones's leg and it probably should have been a foul. Uh, but they had a corner kick out of it and then that kind of led to a, a, a kerfuffle that I think the referee didn't handle. Yeah, well. I felt like there was something missed there. I, they didn't really show the replay it, it looks to me like he got it, jones kind of on the ankle he, he you know i think yeah. i don't think it was intentional i think he was going for the shot but jones already got the ball away so that should have been a foul um so i agree with the was being annoyed by that uh but i don't think that was handled very well all around um but overall kind of taking taking out the fact that there were a couple times where he i think he you know lost control of the game a bit um fortunately it didn't boil over to something worse um that I think you missed the more experienced refs for, but I don't. I don't think this game was so out of the realm of what you'd see from normal MLS refs that you know, that I would say the standard was that low. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I, I, it wasn't great, but it's not like, yeah, it, yeah. It could have been worse. It could. It yeah. could have been worse. Right. It's it, right. It's not like they had 15 Mark Lettenbergs uh, running around every weekend, uh, you know, refing MLS games until this year. Uh, the most concerning part. Oh, sorry. This is from Justin's iPhone. So 
Justin, thank you for using your iPhone to send this in to us. The most concerning part of this game was even before Veroni got sent off. It was how utterly unprepared the revs looked at breaking a press. They grew into it, but we all know this is what DC was going to do. Is Porter not preparing them? This concerns me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really see anything there that I disagree with, to be perfectly honest. Uh, they didn't deal that well with being pressed high up the field. Uh, and, and like just, well, Justin or his iPhone said, um, they should have known this was coming. Uh, Troy Lassane, Lass- whatever his name is. I got Carlos's name right tonight. So I'm not too worried about the DC United coach who was suspended. Uh, yeah. He comes from Red Bull. What does Red Bull do? They press like the, like a, a bunch of irrepressible maniacs in all situations, which I personally love that way of playing. Um, but you you have to know that that is coming. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it was just Lima kicking the ball to nobody. Uh, Polster at one point thought that, you know, maybe if I just kick this ball hard enough, I'll break the guy in front of me in half and the ball will go through. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't deal with it very well. But I think, Sean, we kind of touched on this already. Uh, but just anything to add on on the, the Revs' inability to deal with what they should have known was coming. No, I, I agree with everything you said. And the only thing I will say, and, you know, it's excuse making, is I do think early on in the season, it's harder to deal with the press than it is when you've, you know, later on in the season, you're in form, you have that chemistry and cohesion built. Um, I do think there's there's something to that, that, you know, the first few games of a season, it is a little bit harder to deal with the press. And just to use one example is you look at the revolution under Brad Friedel, who all they did was press. And that was the only strategy that they had uh, early on. It worked early on in the season. And then when teams actually found their groove, they found a way to play around it. So I, I do think that presses work even better early in the season are harder to counteract when teams don't have their full chemistry, don't have their full cohesion. I mean, this was, you know, Mensa's first start for the revolution. Um, your first competitive start. Esmer hasn't had a lot of starts. There, there's, there's pieces in there. So it doesn't shock me that they struggled with it, but I, I you know, it, it's not great, but it doesn't shock me. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, that is a really good point. I mean, it, it is very early. And, and again, Maybe they would have settled in. You know, we'll, we'll never know. Right now, we we now we have to wait until uh, we have to wait till the home opener next Sunday to to try and hopefully get a a ninety minute picture as to as to you know what this whole thing is going to look by look like and if portable is is even a term that we should we should start using. Uh, Bubba Dubs. All right. Uh, can this team thrive with Chonkley up top? He seemed more in the game on the wing. It's going to be hard to play Esme Barrero and Chonkali unless one plays more central. No question mark. Uh, yeah, I, look, I I think the Chonkali thing is very simple. Could he possibly be effective up top? Sure, but he's already effective out wide. So I I, I have a lot of issues with the let's take a player who's playing really well in a position and move him to a different one. You know, if he he is a very very good wide attacking player, so my inclination would be just just leave him there and try and solve the other issues that you have uh, with with other players. But Sean, what do you what what, what do you think about Chonkalai? You know, out wide versus um, versus being up top on on I'm assuming more of a, a permanent basis. 
Yeah, I mean, in general, I completely agree with what you said. I think, you know, you have a great winger in Chonkalai. Why ruin that? Fix, you know, find a good number nine. Um, with all that being said, if the Revolution are unable to bring in another number nine, uh, which would be terrible, ridiculous, they, they should be able to find somebody else that can do it if Rioni's not up to the task, um, then I'd I think it's possible he could do decently well up there. Um, and especially when Dylan Barrero comes back and you want to fit everyone on the, on the, on the pitch. And you know, again, if they're looking at other wingers to bring in too, maybe that's what they have to do. They're not going to have another roster spot to add a striker and a winger. They can do one or the other. Um, so, you know, if, if that's what they have to do, I, I think he might be capable of doing it. We've seen some flashes where he's been up top and, and looked effective. So, um, yeah, I mean, right now he might be more effective than Vrioni up top. If that's for those are your options, but I, I, I always come down to if you have a player that does really, really well in one position, it's really unfortunate if you have to move him somewhere else to solve another problem and then create a problem by putting someone who might be less good in that position in um, and then put him in somewhere he's not as effective. And, you know, this goes back to the issue I had with moving Dewan Jones to right back after he'd become the best left back in the league to try to fill your hole at right back. Um, so, yeah, so basically I'm with you, but I, I wouldn't say that's the worst option you know, putting him up top. I think that, I think that could work and there's potential there, but that's not what I would do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that was a great segue into our next question. And capital B, uh, do the revs solidify Esmir as a starter? And if so, what will happen when Dylan Barrero returns? Um, yeah, Sean, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I guess there is the solution of moving chocolate up top. If you can't go with anything else, they yeah. can put them both out there. Yeah. Uh, but bar- barring that, um, I don't think Esmir has solidified the starting spot yet. I think today was good progress for him. He looked really, really good. And if he keeps playing like this for a few more games, then he might just do that. Um, but it's also going to take Dylan Barrero time to get up to speed. This is not. This is a big injury he's had, and even when he's available again, I think it's going to take him time to be back to the player that he was. Um, it's not. It's not an easy injury to come back from. So I think somebody asked and uh, here when he's coming back. I think what we've been told is April or May, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's be 100 percent and the player that we saw before the injury at that time. So you know, if Esmer does really, really well, that gives you time to ease Barrero back in as a substitute and eventually get back to where he is. And you know. Maybe you don't need to have this conversation until later on in the season when Barrero is actually you know fully healthy and back to that player. Which you know you hate to say it, but it it might not even be this year that Barrero gets back to 100 percent of the player that he used to be. Yeah, I mean, I, someone was asking uh, on the Blazer Musket today in the, in the the group chat uh, about um, you know it, it seems like it's taken by a really long time to come back from this injury. You know, knee injuries are are can be really really devastating, really difficult to come back from and they're not really ones to rush uh, or mess around you need to be very very careful because if if whatever has gone wrong in the knee hasn't completely healed if it goes again uh you know some certain you know in some instances you can go all the way back to square one and uh, you know we've, we've definitely seen that happen uh, i think it happens you know unfortunately i think it happens more in the women's game uh but you know I, i've coached players before where they do one acl they come back a little too soon they overcompensate on the other knee and then they do their other acl uh so yeah i i think they need to be very very careful with bringing burrow back in uh if they're able to continue you know if, if they make a run in Concacaf. Uh, there's going to be plenty of games through to uh, June 2nd, uh, you know, for for them to have to balance between MLS and the and the Concacaf Cup. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it, it's a good problem to have. A coach would be happy to be sitting there saying, 
you know, I've got four guys that are, are, are quality players for, for three positions or four guys for two positions or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a good issue to have and it lets you really, really make sure that you, you don't rush uh, Barrero back because you, you certainly don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize you could have a Twitter name this long. Uh, Executive Eric of Revere, Al Gull, and then in um, brackets, I-M-A, which I believe is a political reference, so we're not going to get into that. Uh, but Executive Eric of Revere asks, can't blame the result on them, but impact of replacement refs. Well, took longer to read out your name than the question. Uh, I think we kind of already covered that. The refs were not great. Um, but it's not like the MLS standard of referees is so high uh, that this was a, a, a gigantic free fall down to the level that we saw tonight. But uh, Sean, any, anything else to add on the referees? Yeah, it, it, just I go back to the point that I, if we had seen this game with normal referees, I wouldn't have, you know, people would have complained about it, but I wouldn't have been like anything out of the realm of what we've seen before. Yeah, ab- yeah, like, absolutely right. Like, maybe maybe some of the VAR decisions took a little bit longer than they'd normally take. Um, but man, I don't. Have our decisions ever done quickly? I, no, 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 no. It's I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me again. It's hard for me to say this wouldn't have happened if it was in press. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, DCFC Netty does Mensa stay in the team? Thought he wasn't bad, other than their second, which I'm assuming is their second goal. Uh, I don't know that Mensa was responsible for covering. Uh, maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe maybe Ben Teke was his man to mark, and he, whoever it was, obviously clearly lost him uh, because he was standing in the middle of the six-yard box with nobody around him, which is not really ideal if you're trying to stop him from scoring. But anyway, uh, you know, to the larger point, does Mensa stay in the team? Look, I... Kessler is hurt again. Kessler is someone that I think at this point you can't rely on to be healthy. Uh, and that's just, you know, nothing against him personally, but the biggest indicator of future injuries is previous injuries. And he has a, he's got a, a growing injury record now. Uh, so if, if, you know, this, this depth that I, I thought the Revs had going into the season across their back line, uh, if Kessler's going to be out for a little bit, and if Lima, I look I, again. I don't. I don't like to bash players, but Lima has has not looked like an, a player that should be starting uh, at the MLS level, uh, at least not for a team that that has playoff and uh, title aspirations. So Lima's been poor. Kessler's hurt again. You know, all of a sudden, Mensa's ability to play center back and Farrell's ability to play outside back, uh, it starts to look pretty important. Um, so I, I thought he was fine. Um, and, and I think we might need to call on him quite a bit uh, in the weeks to come. But, but Sean, what do you, what were your thoughts on Mensa and, and, and just kind of the larger picture of, of the health of the back line? Yeah, I, I thought he was fine too. I, I thought he's he was good depth for the Rebs. When everyone's healthy, is he going to keep that starting spot? No. Um, but like the point you made, Henry Kessler's health is always a question mark. Unfortunately, uh, it has been for for several years. So you don't know when his availability is going to be. There's going to be plenty of minutes for Jonathan Mensa, and I think you know I, I I feel comfortable with him. You know, from this game and from what I've seen from him in the past in that spot, um, is he better than Farrell as a center back? I I wouldn't necessarily say that yet. 
but you know, I think there's going to be plenty of minutes for him to play. But when everyone's healthy, I don't think he's going to be a starter. Yeah, exactly. I think it, and ideally he is what Porter said that he was going to be when he brought him in. Porter said, uh, you know, look, he's a guy that is at the stage of his career where he's he's accepted that he's not going to play game in and game out. Uh, and he's kind of come in to be a guy that can, you know, can, can plug gaps or, you know, I'm paraphrasing. But, you know, it seemed like that was the role for him. Uh, but tonight, you know, it like, okay. If he needs to get a run here, you know, three or four games, uh, yeah. He certainly looked better than, you know, the 2022 venture Domar Gonzalez. That's for sure. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, right. I mean, he was fine. And, and if Lima continues to be, um, you know, ineffective, then and that, that could really be a bonus for the Revs. And, it, you know, it could turn into uh, it could turn into a big pickup. All right. Uh, Nicholas Golden. How can things move forward with Veroni at all? Uh, I mean, Peroni is a horse that we are apparently going to just beat to death here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Bobby Wood can can get on a run like he did early on last season, um, and then maybe fade away at a slower rate than he did last year. Um, but I still think, look, it's it's in our best interest that Porter talks to him, tells him that this, this this yellow card stupidity can't continue. Uh, and, and he gets his head straightened out and 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 starts to deliver uh, some better performances, or at least keeps himself on the field long enough to have a performance. Well, it's, it, you know, it's going to be an awkward conversation with with Caleb Porter. I think after this game, I think it has to be a difficult one. But you look at the game Thursday; <laughs> he's not suspended for that, and he is suspended for the weekend, so he's probably going to play Thursday, right? I would think. So there's this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this opportunity. You know, you're playing a bad team. Score some goals, maybe you build some confidence back. See what Bobby Wood does on the weekend, and you know you go from there. But yeah, the the problem is there's not many other options, so they have to find a way to make it work with them, or at least give them another opportunity to make it work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, uh, it kind of continues along, right? It's just it would just be great if he could just you know play better and deliver, and he's going to probably until July have opportunities to do so. Um, but yeah. Uh, Joe, I understand that it's in our best interest for Veroni to be good, but what if he isn't? What's the move? Yeah, so I mean, again, you know, lots of concerns about Veroni, which I, I, again, look, I understand. I totally understand the concerns about Veroni. Uh, just keep coming back to the same thing. It's in everyone's best interest that he that he that he comes good and starts scoring. Um, but yeah, and what, what do you do is the tough question <laughs> because they've used their one buyout. So if they buy him out, they're still eating his salary. Um, and that's all well, folks. So they can't get another DP. So they need to get rid of if they if if everything. Let's let's say worst case scenario, everyone agrees he's terrible. He's not going to get done. You're in the summer transfer window. You have to find a way to get another team to want him, right? <laughs> and if he's playing this poorly, nobody's going to want him at his current salary. So you're probably going to have to eat some of his salary. In which case, that's still coming on your salary cap. That's so a really tough situation, which goes back to your point that it's to everyone's best interest for her to somehow come good. And there's going to be ample opportunities given to him to do that because there's no really other, there's no good way out. <laughs> no, it only gets worse, right? The worse he does, the worse the situation gets for the team in terms of results. And you just, you can't get rid of them. They, they burn that already, you know, on, on the goalkeeper that wouldn't be spoken to. Uh, so like, there's nothing you can do now. You're stuck with him. So 
yeah, I, I don't know. What, what would the move be? I guess the move would be to use the the the, the MLS crypto reserves that they have to you know squeeze somebody that's a, a relatively high played player into a, a non TP uh, you know position on the roster and bring him in. And, you know, maybe you can pick up. I don't know. You know, like uh, Harks. Right? They bought they got Harks kind of out of nowhere. He's not a DP. He's a solid player. Maybe they could pick somebody up like that uh, in July. You know. It, there's not a ton of options and and uh yeah i mean it would just be ideal if he just plays better but you know there's no guarantee that's going to happen for sure uh josh goulet goulet i'm assuming it's goulet uh i'm surprised that i wasn't furious about the referees yeah we talked about that uh were those replacement refs can we keep them right no josh here is very reasonable uh they weren't really that they weren't really any worse than than the, the regular referees that we have. Um, I wish I had something witty to add. Well, don't we all? Uh, Veroni just exhausted my wit out of me tonight. Yeah. I mean, Veroni referees. Sean, anything, anything there? No, I, I, I mostly agree with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the extent of saying that I want to see these referees all the time, uh, but uh, no. otherwise I mostly agree with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Porter. Well, not Porter. Coin sell bro. Uh speak of crypto. Uh with approximately eight hundred thousand in GAM and an open senior roster spot, who should the Rev sign? What mark has Caleb Porter put on this team? Hashtag tactics guy. Um we kind of talked about I haven't really seen the mark that Porter's put on this team yet. Uh from everything I've heard, his press conferences are better. So that's exciting. Um, but yeah, uh, John, anything, you know, we kind of talked about this anyway. Like, what, what, what should the revs do with this accumulation of, of uh, MLS crypto that they have sitting around? Depth at striker. They got. They have to find another striker and use out you know as much of that money as they can. To get a, I, I, I always struggle with questions like this because I don't have names at the top of my head to to give you. But uh, position wise, it has to be a striker. I and which again is why I'm a little bit interested in the fact that they seem to be looking at winners. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute here. Uh, I don't really. It seems like a strange position um, to be pursuing. Let's see here. Uh, oh, um, I I hit the refresh button. This is my Twitter. Yeah, they keep, uh, they keep coming in. <laughs> Jesus, I hit the refresh. No, I hit the refresh button and it changed the order. Like, anyway, uh, does VAR exist? If so, how can it be used properly? Uh, yeah, look, there was some there was some talk in the Blazing Musket uh, chat that the foul on Esmir was, you know, on the line of the penalty area. And that then means it's a penalty. And then obviously the decision went the other way. Um, and the offside, the offside on, on Benteke, well, they're all Benteke's goal. The one that he scored with his right foot wasn't really clear that it looked like he was offside. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the usual VAR stuff, right? Like, when it gets used, why can't it be used better? Or why can't it be used more often? Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not great. It's not the... It was sold as the solution to problems with referees and calls and games, and very clearly, it has not been the solution to anything. 
Uh, but Sean, well, you have one, one of the one of the disappointing things about replacement refs is that MLS this year was going to have the referees explain the VAR decisions to the viewers, but they have postponed that for the replacement refs, and they're not doing that until the real refs come back. So I do miss. Oh. We'll get that because uh, I will. I do. I, I am looking forward to seeing that implemented by the real refs. That's why I forgot about that. They were gonna, like in the yeah. NFL, right? Like explain the call, which yep. Like, really, That'll be interesting. We're really breaking new ground here. We're gonna we're gonna do stuff, and then we're gonna tell people why we <laughs> did it. You know. Um, so if there's one downside to replace our reps, that is it, because they delayed implementing that. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. You're in the stadium. If you're in the stadium, you have no idea what's going on. You're just sitting there, like looking around. You're like, what? What is happening? Why are we all? And then they, you know, they do the little box thing, and like. Yeah, I don't know. I, that would have been nice to see, but until they get that, you know, dispute straightened out, um, I guess we're not going to see it. But, uh, one other point I'll make is, is, and it's something I think Taylor Twaman says often, is a lot of these calls, when the standard is clear and obvious, when it's taking them this long to make a decision, <laughs> is it really clear and obvious? And I think with the Esmir one, whether or not that was in the box, the more replays, at, at first I was convinced that foul was out of the box, and the more replays I saw, the less convinced I got. Um, so I'm not sure that that was a clear and obvious error by the referee that he should have overturned uh in which case you know the call on the field should have stood and it should have been a penalty kick um and you know with with the, the offside also I, I didn't see enough replays to to be confident one way or the other and maybe they didn't have enough replays which again technology should be better we, we, you look at the Premier League where they can draw the lines and you know get it pretty accurate you know I don't know why they can't do that here but you know yeah I didn't I didn't see an angle and the limited replays we saw to definitively say he was offside Right. Yeah. And look, the other thing, too, is, OK, you know, the way they use VAR is different in in the Premier League. Uh, but people complain about that all the time, too. It's done differently in Germany. And I'm sure if I could read German, I could find plenty of people on, you know, Bundesliga Twitter having a go at the incomp. Like, it's just... Well, like you they, said, they, though, just, I mean, they just get off sides wrong in the Premier League with the lines of time somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I mean. Like, you know, but I think sometimes, I think sometimes the the problem is is that, like you said, uh, if you if you watch it enough times, you can find you can find something, right? You can find something like, like the the Farrell goal against uh, Red Bulls last year, uh, away away to to Red Bulls. I, I we were at that game. Uh, we actually had a really good view of it. I was really happy. I was flipping off and taking the piss out of everyone around us because we had our ref jerseys on and we were not in the the supporters section. We didn't care. No one's gonna, you know, no one's gonna jump us at an MLS game. Um, we we had like a we had a, basically the same view that the linesman had. It was brilliant. Nothing nothing wrong with that goal. And then they went and looked at it enough times and they overturned it because they found something that wasn't really there. And then two days later, they came back and said, well, we checked on the guys that are supposed to check on the guys on the field and the guys that checked on the guys on the field, uh, they were wrong. And it's like, so, so just to be clear, a guy made a call, a guy checked it, disagreed with him, and then somebody checked the guy that checked the guy and he disagreed. And we got back to where we started. Like, they don't do themselves any favors, I guess is probably the the best way to put it. Anyway, you talk about VAR and referees for, for three hours. Um, Ernie Friend, when does Barrero return? Yes, we talked about that. Um, 
April, May. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hopefully going to be a, a slow, you know, careful buildup, uh, to, to get him back to full fitness and uh, just make sure we don't overdo it. Sean, anything on that? Well, I'd look to see if we, uh, don't want to, just want to make sure we didn't miss anybody here. The only thing I'll add to that is again, alluding to what we've been hinting <laughs> at all this time is the fact that I keep looking at winners makes me wonder if there's some hint that they think he's going to take longer to come back from that. <laughs> but because that's the only way that makes sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, I I hope that's not why. Um, I mean, they seem to hit on every winger that they bring in, but, you know, I, 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 that's going to run its course at some point. Uh, all right, let's see if we can quickly go through uh, a couple couple other ones here that have popped in. Uh, Revs Ball Knower. Porter said the goals will come. Who will have the most goals this season outside of uh, Carlos and Chonkalai? Sean, who who you got besides those two? You know, before today, I would have said Vrioni, is, even though I, again, as I've said, I'm not confident he's going to come good. I still would have said Vrioni. Um, I guess now I'm still going to say Vrioni, but with even less, less confidence than I had before. Maybe, maybe it will be Bobby Wood. Maybe it'll be Esmir. Um, if Barrero comes back, if, if Barrero yeah. comes back healthy in, in you know April, I would go with Barrero, but that's also, I don't know, it's, that's a very tough question. I think there's a host of people that it could be. You want you'd want it to be Rioni, uh, and the best case scenario is Rioni, but maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm still gonna say Rioni. I'm gonna go down with the ship. Um, could be Barrero, and won't be Bobby Wood. Um, uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, come on! That ha ha! Oh, good one, uh, Derek. Terrell, is it too late to bring back Josie Altador and get rid of her? Like, ha, ha, yeah, okay, that's really, how many, like, how long did it take you to come up with that one? Like, Josie Altador. Josie Altador was not physically capable of running. So, no. Josie, oh, by the way, Josie Altador is a free agent. So, any club on planet Earth that wants to sign Josie up can sign Josie up. And he's been, I think he's been a free agent for like six months now. So, you know, I think Josie Altador is probably at the point where he should retire. Uh, I actually screamed them at him many, many times over the last two years, telling him that he should retire. Uh, look, he's finished. He's done as a top-level player. I doubt he could even uh, have a role to play for a USL team. Uh, so, if, yeah, if he wants to go and sign up for Vermont Green, you know, they might be able to squeeze him into the starting 11. Uh, but, if you know, if this is a serious, like, can we compare to Ferroni to Josie Altador? Uh, no, Ferroni can run and Altador cannot. Sean, anything to add? No, I think I think you covered that one well. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, I think we've I think we've run the gamut here of what we're going to get from Twitter tonight. Let me just double check. Yeah. All right. Now, look, there was one other one. Uh, Jesus, I don't know how to use Twitter. Um, you said you saved one or something somewhere. There was, somewhere. There was one that was. Um... They came in be- before. <laughs> yeah, before I posted before the game. <laughs> Maybe we should let people know. Hey, by the way, on the nights when Tom is hosting, just wait for the tweet and put it under the tweet. Otherwise, you know you're you're really running the risk here that you know my inability to navigate social media is going to be exposed. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you a second to see if you can dig that one up. In the meantime, uh, the only other thing that we wanted to cover today, uh, non-game related. 
is, uh, you know, the Blazing Wesker put out an article today. Uh, according to journalist Cesar Luis Merlo, the New England Revolution reportedly have their eyes on midfielder Joaquin Pereira, who currently plays for Argentine side club Atletico Tucumán. I'm sure I got every single one of those wrong. The Blazing Musket has confirmed that the Revs are interested in Pereira. Merlot reports that the club has submitted an official bid to Tucumán for Pereira. Uh, didn't provide an exact transfer to fee. Mentioned a potential deal for the midfielder. It could include a 10% sell-on clause. Uh, it seems Pereira favors a move away from the Argentine club, as he reportedly discussed his desire to leave with the board. Um, seems to be interest. Uh, Marlowe reports there's no official agreement. Uh, the 25-year-old midfielder started his career with, okay, yeah, so on and so forth. And during his two stints with Club Atletico, Tucumán Pereira has appeared in 101 matches for the club where he tallied four goals. That's it? Four goals in 101 games and 10 assists in 7,483 minutes. All right, so Sean, I've just discovered this. Four goals in 7,483 minutes and 10 assists. That cannot be real, really accurate. <laughs> Seems too low to be true. Yeah, I, I, yes. who knows? I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not questioning that stat because it's so not impressive. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust. I don't trust it either. But, but, but like, just this is the uh, the second or third winger that they've been interested in, you know, from the end of last season to now. And you know, if you if you look at if Borrero's on target, you know, on track to come back when when they said he was going to, right? You've got Conkley. Barrero, Boateng, Nacho, and and Esmir, right? You've got five players for two positions. It just it seems odd to me that they really seem very keen on getting in another winger. Uh, and I don't, I, I I don't see why that's the priority. But Sean, what do you do? You think that would be the priority, or is there more stuff tied into that? No, I I don't think it should be the priority, and I'm like digging into some other stuff about him. And I do see him also listed as playing central midfield at times, which also doesn't necessarily seem like the position they need to make, but would make those stats make more sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, to me, it's very obvious they need more help at striker. And again, unless, unless Barrero's out for a while more than they think he's going to be, then I don't know if you need another winger. If 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 they're bringing him in to play central midfield, which apparently he has played at some point in his career, although most recently he's just been playing left wing, you know, that makes slightly more sense, I guess. But yeah, I don't I don't get it. It doesn't. It seems like they're trying to add up to a place where they have a lot of depth um, when they should be looking at using this money on a striker. They only have one roster spot, one senior roster spot open. I think they may or may not have one international roster spot left since they transferred all of them. So if you bring this guy in. You're very limited in what you can do to to bring a striker in. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I like we talked about earlier. You know, if Kessler is going to be out, if Lima continues to be uh, inefficient, um, you know, there could be need on the on the back line more than out wide. Um, you know, you have that open senior. You know, you have that open senior roster spot. You've got some money to spend. Uh, you know, so. You know, if you want, if you want to put yourself in a position where you're three deep at striker, uh, you know, and, and look, maybe, maybe tonight is a 
maybe tonight is is a you know a serious concern for Porter, right? Maybe Porter's now seen a side of Veroni that he hasn't seen before, uh, that maybe he's really concerned about. Uh, so maybe that is you know maybe that is something that they're 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 going to consider, uh, you know, to bring in a third stroke. But uh, yeah, bringing in another winger, I I don't know, but they they it seems like they're really trying to bring one in. So they they must have their reasons. I I I really hope it's not because Barrero is is not on track. Uh, because he's proven that he can be successful in MLS. Chonkalai is proving that. Uh, but then you've also got, look, Boateng can step in when needed. Esmir is emerging. As, that's the other thing, too, actually. You know, you talk about how what's going to happen when Barrero gets back. Well, if you've got Barrero and Chonkalai and Esmir and somebody else, like, you're kind of maybe almost blocking Esmir, which I don't, you know, do you want to block an up-and-coming 18-year-old player that is, I would say, if they're, they're young players, you know, they're academy based players. I think he's I think he's well ahead of Buck. Buck, you know, Buck didn't cover himself in glory tonight. Uh Penny U two. Haven't seen Penny U two yet in two games. Uh I, I don't know. It just seems a little strange to me. Uh but we, you know, would you agree that you know, blocking Esmer like we want Esmer to play this year? Well, and you know, if you look at some of the criticisms that fans of some of the teams that Caleb Porter has coached in the past have been is that he's done exactly that, is that he hasn't given opportunities to the young players to play, and then he's left, and some of these young players are shown to be pretty good. Um, so, yeah, that is that is a concern. I was I was happy to see him start Buck and Esbear in this game and give some of the young guys a start. Um, but, yeah, I think I think adding another winger would hurt that. Now, on the flip side, as I'm looking deeper and deeper into Joe Conpiera, and I admit I don't watch the Argentine league very often, um, but from what I can see is this season he's played entirely on the left, However, historically, he's played almost as much in the middle as on the left. Does this move make any more sense to you if they're looking at him as a center midfielder, um, either as a number 10, back up to Carly's heel, or as, I guess, more of a, a, I don't know, a a, a two-way, maybe an old Buck style or Ian Hark style um, CM rather than a winger? Because it still doesn't make much sense to me. (laughs) No, I mean, unless... Look, I mean, I, I, I guess you could maybe, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is the time to get it, but maybe they're looking at this as Carlos's last year, and if they bring this guy in and get him in where they can, uh, and then Carlos, you know, moves on at the end of the year, and then, and then this guy, you know, that opens up a DP slot, kind of like they went with, with, um, with Chonkley, right? He was here on loan. Uh, they let, you know, Bo was allowed to move on. And then they converted Tronkley's loan to a permanent deal and they they signed him as a DP. So maybe this is, you know, an, an early cover for uh replacement for Carlos. But I don't know. I think it's too early to make that determination. If he goes out and has another MVP caliber season, uh, if you think he can do it for another couple of years, I I think you just extend him for two years. Um See, I don't know. But the thing is, too, is even if Carlos was going to move on, you know, Esmir potentially could could step into that that central, uh, you know, attacking role as well. Uh, so, no, it doesn't make that much more sense uh, if he's coming in as kind of like a number 10, a playmaker type. Um, yeah, I don't really think it makes a lot of sense there either. Very strange. So good, good, good news. I found the missing question. <laughs> All right, let's go. Bad news, it's a three-parter. <laughs> right. I'll take this one. Teal Forever, 
Uh, are you hitting the panic button on Ravis yet? No. Yeah, I'm with you. Not definitely not panic button, but um, I'm again, looking for it. But I yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Not not hitting it yet, but I have some concerns uh, that he hasn't he hasn't alleviated yet. Uh, number two, has Carly's heels shooting shooting ability gotten better, or is he just shooting more? And how does this affect the team going forward? Uh, I think. Uh, look, I think he just. He's very smart in that he sees, he just he's he just sees what he needs to do on the field. So if he is, if players are getting tight to him, he's going to start throwing passes around. If he's got teammates running in open space, he's going to deliver the ball to them. Uh, but like tonight's goal was very clearly, we're losing, we're down a player, we're not making, we're not making anything happen at all whatsoever. I've got the ball, and you know what? Um, I'm taking it. I'm going to get as close to the goal as I can and I'm going to let one fly. And that's, that's the best thing I can be doing for the team right now. I just think that's what Carlos does uh, better than anyone on the team. He just senses what is needed in an attacking sense. And, uh, and most of the time he delivers on it. And when he doesn't have Adam Buxa and Gustavo Bo, that's needed more often. But I, I actually do think his shooting ability has gotten better. Cause I think early on in his career, um, Early on in his time with the Revs, his his finishing was maybe the one side of his game that wasn't great. Um, he was, you know, fantastic chance creator, but when he was actually in good positions in the box and elsewhere, he, he wouldn't always put the ball away. Um, you know, that wasn't that wasn't the strong part of his game. And I I do think over the past couple of years, we've been seeing him take more shots and we've been seeing him take better shots. Um, but again, it goes to your point. It, he does do what's needed, and I think that's needed more now, uh, given the other personnel on the field than it was. Um, you know, a few years ago when they had Gustavo Bo and Adam Buxa playing up top often together. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, then I guess last question, and we we touched on this, but I don't think we necessarily gave definitive answers, is he asked, what does the lineup look like on Thursday? Uh, I think he might, I think he might throw Edwards in for a game. Uh, he did say that he likes to give everybody a look early on in the season. So maybe we see Edwards. I'd like to see Spalding uh, get a go from the start. <clears throat> so maybe uh, maybe like Farrell and Spalding as the two outside backs. Uh, you give Mensa and Romney to run out again. I would I would really like A is almost certainly going to be in because his suspension, he still has two more games to go. MLS seems to be, uh, you know, if you're if you're, you know, making racist comments in German, uh, that doesn't seem to be worthy of a three-game suspension. But you know, and, or, or if you're following the referee into the locker room, apparently that got, that got cut too. Yeah, but but accidentally stomping on somebody. Well, we've we've got to we've got to stick to our standards here. Um, so yeah, so I I think it'll probably be K and Har- I really hope it's Har- Harks. I I he's I think he's a really quality player. Uh, so hopefully we see Harks and K. K is kind of a no-brainer. Uh, then we'll get the we'll get the Polster and Buck, uh, you know, world-class defending show again uh, for the home opener. Um, maybe he gives Carlos uh, the night off, you know. So maybe he goes with uh, Nacho, uh, you know, to fill in for his brother at the number ten spot. Uh, Ima and Esmir as the two out wide, uh, and then it's gonna it's gonna have to be. Peroni up top because he can't play in the home opener. Yeah, I I agree with most of what you said. I think you do start Carlos in this game just because you you don't want to take make the mistake of taking them too lightly, and you start Carlos. Yeah. You hope you go up a goal or two, really, ideally two goals, and then you sub them at halftime or sub them at sixty minutes. I I just think 
you know, the Revs clearly outplayed this team in the last leg. They were the better team. It was a professional performance, but I, I just think there's a little bit of fear that if you take them too lightly and don't start Carly's heel, you know, there's always that chance that something bad happens and you and you don't win. And I think you can't take that chance. I think you start them and you you hope you really hope that you get up a couple goals and sub them out. Um, but at least if it was me, and I think that's what he's going to do is, is start Carly's heel. But I do think there should be you know a decent amount of rotation elsewhere. And Rioni should get another chance because he's not going to be able to play on the weekend. No, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably like, look, Carlos, let's 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 get this, let's kill the game off at halftime so we can get you out. Um, and that that would that would probably be the best case scenario, right? Go out, put two in. Uh, you know, these guys are going to have to. You know, the, the independent days are going to have to travel. Uh, you know, an, an awful, awful long way. Uh, the uh, the game time temperature right now next Thursday is 29 degrees, uh, so I'm sure they'll be delighted with that. Uh, so you know, try and get a goal or two in the first half, and yeah, just just kill it off and uh, and get the guys out so we can uh, hopefully we can uh, get get some get some good entertainment, and get results uh, for the home opener at two o'clock on a Sunday, which is is which is great to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I was hoping they'd have more. A few games this season that were a little bit earlier, and especially when it's cold out, it's nice to have it while there's daylight. Yeah, yeah, it'd be daylight. I think it's supposed to be like uh, like mid fifties, so it could be a could be a decent afternoon out. Yeah. No, I mean, at least you know, weather wise. Latin comment from Kale Forever is not a question. He just said he's exciting to see the chemistry developing with Gil, uh, Chonklai, or with Heel, Chonklai, and Esmer. I agree. It is exciting. Yeah, no, definitely it is, uh, and and Nacho as well. Um, you know, they, they all kind of seem to be on the same page. Uh, I think it was Seth was mentioning that, that you know, there's, there's some nice interchange, uh, you know, between the three of them. So yeah, I think that's one little, uh, you know, development or or poor ball wrinkle, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was. Uh, I think that that that's been good to see, and hopefully it continues. All right. Well, what is not going to continue is this podcast into into Sunday morning. Um, Sean, do you have any do you have any final thoughts on this uh, this start to a new MLS season? No, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to our friends at the Rebellion who are doing a breakfast themed tailgate before their home opener next weekend in Lot B, in Lot Three B. So if you're going to the game next weekend, go check out the Rebellion's breakfast themed tailgate Lot Three B. Oh yeah, that's good because I was. Uh, I didn't put that in my notes and I was going to forget to mention it. <laughs> Will you be there? Will you be at the, uh, the breakfast tailgate? I I am not certain whether or not I will be attending that game in person yet. I, I did uh, some damage to my foot. So I'm hobbling around a bit in, in a walking boot at the moment. Um, so I'm not, I'm not certain yet whether I'll be at that game. Yeah. We'll be there. Um, only unless the weather turns. No, we, we should be there. We won't get the tailgate. We'll be, Given uh, the craft some more money, bouncing around at uh, Patriot Place before the game. Um, but yeah, so Sean, any any other final thoughts on uh, on the game tonight? No, I'm I'm ready to put this game to bed as well as myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I guess uh, trying to put a positive spin on it. It would be hard to fathom how the Revs could have a you know a worse road performance uh, than this one. You know, they lost by two goals. They could have lost by six or seven. Uh, they had a player sent off inside 25 minutes, and uh, they looked like they had just met each other briefly before the game, before the red card. So it can only go 
onwards and upwards from here as the Porter Ball evolution surely will continue. Um, so with that, Sean, where can people find you on social media? Because no one will be able to find me in social media in about two minutes when I log out and close Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Aldonio. I also occasionally am on Blue Sky and Threads. So if there's actually ever any activity there, I might post more, but you can find me there as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, you know, you can always find me. I write for the Blazing Musket on uh, Substack, so you know, please uh, check that out. And uh, if you don't already, uh, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Revolution Recap. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your your podcast from. Uh, that 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 really helps uh, you know kind of grow our audience and get us out in front of more people. Uh, so if you do have the time to leave us a uh, you know, a five-star review and, uh, you know, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, other than that, like I said, be sure to check out our friends at, uh, the blazing musket, or I guess that includes myself as well, but anyway, uh, be sure to check them out, uh, for their continuing coverage of the revs and all of new England, uh, professional soccer. Uh, so thanks again for listening to revolution recap presented by bet online. And we will be back after the next game with a, another podcast. So until then, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and hopefully things get better from here. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.